0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Praise the Lord. I'm going to turn tonight to Joshua chapter 24 and... uh, then I'll be going to Judges 21, Joshua 24, first, and then Judges 21. I feel like I've got a subject tonight that uh, I believe is very prevalent for our day and for the church. No, I'm not saying just this church. You understand I'm saying the church as a whole. Um, I believe needs this tonight. Joshua chapter 24. I want to read verse 15 and 16 then I'm going to drop down to verse 31 and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom you will serve for the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side everybody said the other side of the flood oh glory Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people, everybody said, the people answered. And said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Drop down to verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that Overlived Joshua Which had known all the works Of the Lord That he had done for Israel Turn to Judges Chapter 21 Last book of Judges Chapter 21 And I want to read the last two verses 24 and 25 Hallelujah Hallelujah And the children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family. And they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. Verse 25, very disturbing. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord, for this anointing that I feel flowing through here tonight. Oh, awaken us, God, to the hour that we're living in. The most crucial hour, God, for the church and for the world. There's souls that need to be saved. Our families that are lost. Some backslidden, God. Oh. Help us, oh Lord, tonight. We need to somehow get a hold of them, Lord, before it's too late. Oh, anoint every mind, every spirit. Anoint my lips tonight. God, because without your anointing, it'll only be spoken words. But we need anointing, Lord, that will break, Lord Jesus, the yoke of bondage that would bind people. Lord, set them free in the name of Jesus tonight. Amen and amen. May be seated tonight. I want to minister simply this subject. God woke me up some time ago, some weeks ago, and He spoke erosion to me, erosion. And I want to preach simply erosion tonight. A teacher tells a story I read here a while back of a little boy, of a little bay in Mexico that was owned by his grandfather and grandmother, which had a nice cottage on it, and they went went there each summer for a time of relaxation and fun and swam in the ocean and just uh, played volleyball and just had a great time. Amen. And over the years, he began to realize, as a young man then, he began to realize the waters were overtaking the land little by little. The waters of the bay were eating away at the bank of the land between the cottage and the sea. Thanks to the rising and the falling of the tide and a few hurricanes and normal lapping of the waves at the shoreline, chunks of earth were being consumed by the day. No one ever noticed it because it was so slow. Not noticed because it was so slow. One summer, when he was a young lad, he decided that he would go right before they left and he went down to the brink of the water at the shoreline and he drove a stake very deep in the ground so he could gauge how much ground was lost until they returned the following year. The next summer, they returned and to his amazement, the water had consumed over three foot of soil between the cottage and the sea. Sooner or later, the cottage would give way to the appetite of the sea. Scary. It is said that the Mississippi River brings down 406,250,000 tons of erosion Annually to the Gulf of Mexico. We all know the water is necessary to all life, yet it can remove the very thing that's needed to produce fruit and vegetables and things to live on the ground. It is said that a hard rainfall may dislodge as much as 100 tons of soil per acre. Erosion is something that we need to take a look at because it's at the tune and the cost of $4 billion per year worldwide. 37,000 square miles of cropland are damaged each year due to erosion. So you can see that it is a very crucial thing that we need to take a look at. The recurring result, I want you to know, abandonment from God's law is corruption from within and oppression from without. Can I say that? It's erosion, if you please, that's even working in the church world. And God began to deal with me and said, you need to take a look at the erosion not only of the ground of this world, but we need to take a look at the erosion that's in the church today as the nation's spiritual temperature grows steadily colder, the sin cycle begins to increase and erosion begins to eat away at our churches and it's hardly realized because it happens so slow. Nobody notices that it's happening, but let me tell you, it's happening in the day that we're living in. Hallelujah. I'm sorry to say it, but some of our faith, has been buried. Grandma McGee is gone. Mama's gone. Grandma Jewel is gone. Sister Betty is gone. Sister Bonnie is gone. Brother Bob Garrett is gone. And I say tonight, who is going to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and hold on to faith that we might keep it? Because we need to keep that which he has committed unto our hands. He's not given it to the world, but he's given it to the church to hold on to faith. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Let me just call you back to scriptures for a while. In Judges 2 and 8 through 10, and Joshua. The son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his, of his in, inheritance in Timnatherus, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose, everybody said, another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What I want to point to you tonight that I am worried about the generation that we are living in right now. Joshua died. His generation had died. And the faith of Israel was buried, if you please. Notice the fervor of the movement declines. The air of slackness and compromise succeeds. And a generation arises which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. In other words, there is a time period when it seems like that they lost out with God and their fathers did not tell them about what God had done for Israel. I'm worried about our church tonight, that we're not passing this word down to our children. I don't want my grandchildren, Brother Mason, to have to look at the archives of history to realize what the apostolic movement is all about. It ought to be in our day. We are still the apostolic movement. We are still the church of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 I want them to see what I've seen. Glory. Hallelujah. I want them to remember how God has moved even in our midst. I want you to even remember that even as close as whenever it was, just a night or so ago, when maybe a day or so ago, when we got a request, uh, a man on the prayer band about a man's sister, a sister, or well, Ethel, ain't Ethel's granddaughter, which is Sister Nadine's sister, amen. man, and this young lady, hey man with lupus has had it ever since she was eight years old. They didn't think she was going to make it through the night. The other night. And they called my house and said, would you ask for prayer? They're not sure she's even going to make it through the night. I we, I called a pastor. We put it on the prayer band. My wife and I grabbed hands in our living room. And we began to pray. And I felt a fresh new anointing sweep from my head to my feet. And I told my wife, something's happening right now. There's something going on. Oh, come on, church. We need not to have to tell, come on, somebody. We need to tell people about this, but it ought to be seen in our day what God is doing right now, Brother Terry. I shouldn't have to point back 20 years ago what God's done. I want to see what he's doing right now, this very day. We got a call early the next morning. and Sister Nadine said, Brother McGee, I want you to know that she is breathing and doing well today. They moved her out of ICU and into a regular room. I'm telling you what God can do overnight, what God can do overnight. I want to tell you, he can turn this church into a revival church overnight. We need to realize that it's in God, and he can do it. Oh. Man, I'm feeling it tonight. Hallelujah. Yeah, I may preach longer than that. The game, who knows? Praise God! I feel him in here, hallelujah! But I'm worried about a generation that knew not God nor yet the works that he had done for Israel. I'm worried about my generation that's coming up. I'm worried about my Alex's and, and, and my grandchildren not knowing the presence of God and the healing. I, I want us to remember Sister Christmas with cirrhosis of the liver a man being doctored for it all the time, come through a prayer line in our second church on a Tuesday night nothing spectacular maybe, we just was laying hands on people, a lot of times back then if people come, we just say before church, we're going to have a prayer line if you don't feel good, I want you to feel good while I'm preaching, so we just bring them through the line, began to pray for them she came through the prayer line that night the next day, she'd been doctored for this she was on medicine and, and she was going to the doctor on the Wednesdays and and Wednesday was her doctor's appointment. She went to the doctor and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but you no longer have cirrhosis of the liver. It's gone. I'm telling you about a God that's still in the healing business. Even tonight, while I'm speaking, you can be healed and delivered in this house. Oh, Clap your hands again. So let us not forget. I just give you a couple, but let us not forget what God has done so many times. People have been taken, amen, to the emergency room, gonna have emergency surgery. Before the night's over, they're back home. Come on now. I'm telling you what prayer band does. Over the last however many years, we've had it forever. I don't know how long. But God has answered prayer through prayers. And we want to pass that down to the church. We want to pass that down to the younger generation that they know that it's happened in this church. And it's still happening. It's still going on. Praise the Lord. I'm worried about the generation. And I'm worried about our faith of this day. Because in our day, truth has been tainted. I said, truth has been tainted. There is no right or wrong anymore. There's a gray area in between. And people seem to be following that. Churches, congregations, ministers seem to be following that gray area. But I want to tell you, right is still right. And wrong is still wrong. There's no gray area. There's no place to stop. There's no place to straddle the fence. You're either for him or you're against him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me return here. Hallelujah. Pastor just talked about it. I'm going to read 2 Peter 1, verse 5 through 7. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. I want you to notice, and he mentioned the other night, and I was, I was, headed, to get my, I was headed to get my shield of faith. He said, no, you don't have to do that, Dad. Well, I, I I, that gave me reason to get it out tonight. He got my mind back on it. So this is our shield of faith. The shield of faith, let me tell you, when, when men went to battle, everybody's shield was different. It was a different size. It was according to how big you were. But the shield of faith was made that you could hide behind your shield of faith. You could turn sideways and they could shoot all the arrows they wanted to. And the shield of faith would protect you. They'd bounce and go the other way. Pastors spoke about it. How that all of these things, and let me just name them off. These things are protected by faith. Let me you understand that. These things are protected by faith. They are not hidden behind faith. They are protected by faith. Virtue, which means moral excellence. Knowledge is what you know. Temperance is self-control. Patience is endurance, how well you endure. Godliness is being upright or devout. Come on. Hallelujah. Brotherly kindness is how much you love your brother. Charity is unconditional love. It gives whether it receives or not. All of these things. Pastor spoke about it the other night. They are behind your faith. Faith is the very first thing that happens. Can I tell you tonight that These things are not hidden behind faith, but they are protected by faith. And once faith is removed, it is easy to get all of the other things down because if you don't have faith, you can't hold on to the rest of the things because they all come by faith. Faith is the one that's on the outside, and everything else is behind faith. I'm worried about the generation that we live in. Did we bury faith when we when we buried grandma and grand, come on, and then grandpa, grandma jewel, and then uh and brother Bob Garrett and Sister Betty? Did we bury it when we buried them? Or have we still got it today? Are we still standing on the faith? Have we still got all these qualities that are behind faith? Do we still own them? Are they still ours? I guess rightfully I should have got out to the football tonight because I remember in the first church we played football in church. I don't know if you all remember that or not. I brought football church. Yes, I did. I know some of you say, yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, I didn't feel like carrying a, a bag of hot air back through here tonight. So I left the football home and just decided to preach. Let me tell you, Exodus 19 and 8. And all the people answered together. Listen to this. Something that we I just read. But here it comes again even from Exodus. And all the people answered together and said... All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. This was their promise to the Lord at Mount Sinai. Yet a few weeks later, we find them worshiping a golden calf. Don't get quiet on me tonight. If I get down where you live, I hope your toes get sore. Because I'm not going to stop preaching it. Come on, church. It's time for us to put this where it belongs because I believe in this generation. If we don't wake up, come on, we're losing ground. I said we're losing ground. Look around about you. How much desire is left for people to come to church? I'm worried about the church. Come on. I'm worried about the miracles and the signs and the wonders, Brother Terry, that we have witnessed. I wonder if the generation right now is going to be able to witness those same things. Glory. Hallelujah. Somebody say erosion. There is erosion taking place. I don't know. I may preach. I may talk here for a while and then preach five minutes and get out of here. I don't know. Amen. I want you to know Judges is a book of failures. I said Judges is a book of failures. In the very first book, seven out of the 12 tribes had already failed the Lord. And you can read through and it's just one after another that begins to fail what God had asked them to do. In the first seven, in this first book, seven tribes fall. Judah, Benjamin, Joseph, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. In the very first book. Seven times in the book of Judges, it is said Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges starts with failure and it ends with failure. Judges 21, 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did which, that which was right in his own eyes. Come on, church. I'm sorry, but we're living in a generation that wants to taint truth. Come on. I'm sorry, but we have seen it in the apostolic, I'm sorry to say it, but we're seeing it in the apostolic movement as same as all the other churches that there are apostolic ministries that grew up on this. They cut their teeth on it for generations before. Their fathers, their parents, there were people, pastors and ministers and they have failed from the truth. Truth has been tainted. Now what used to be, come on, what used to have to be is now no longer the, come on, how can you construe the Bible and make it say any different than it did 50, 60, 70 years ago when God said I don't change I'm the same yesterday, today and forever there is no shadow of turning to me no variableness at all in me how can we change something that was written some 2,000 years ago I'm worried about this generation that we not taint the scriptures, that we not back down. Come on. It's time to take the horns of the altar and get a hold of them and say I'm going to stand for truth in the midst of an untoward generation that's seeking after worldliness. I'm going to seek after truth. I'm going to search after miracle signs and wonders. glory hallelujah what are you saying bishop I'm saying we need to tell our children of the miracles and the signs and the wonders in our day and we need to teach them the word of God come on they need to know the word it's a sad generation that we live in we're living in a generation if we're not careful that us adults don't even know the word of God come on it's a sad thing when somebody asks you a question and you can't get it together. You've been in church for 10, 20 years. Come on, where, where is your love for the word of God? Come on, we must do more than just let the preacher read it. We must read it and study it ourselves. Come on. You can't expect for this to be transferred from the pulpit if you're not doing something about it in the pew. Come on, church. We got to do something about us. We got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I've got to realize that I'm a minister of the gospel. Oh, you say, well, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. Every time you walk out these doors, you're a minister to whoever you're around. I'm sorry, but you have got a job to spread and witness this testimony. Glory. Hallelujah. There is a generation growing up right now that wants to stray from the old past. Bible told us to go and search out the old paths. Come on, we need to search them out. We need to find them again. I'm sorry, but I think sometimes they're all grown up and, and it's not visible anymore. There's so much truth that's been tainted in our day that there is a growing up over the path and it's no longer seen very well. But I'm going to tell you, we need to trample the path. Come on, we need to walk it back and forth. Church, we need to stand up in that path and make it a highway. Come on. Oh, yeah. I said, we need to make it, as apostolic truth, a highway, even in this city. Oh, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I began to think, you know, I wonder what it'd be like if we really lost our faith. If this is a protection If if this is a protection of everything else behind faith, you know, know, I've seen pictures of it when things were close together and it it should be knit together, not to let anything else. So I'm sorry, but all these things that I mentioned, you know, virtue and all of this, that is protected by faith. If faith got knocked over, then possibly all the other things beside it are going to go down with faith because if you don't have faith, you don't have the rest. God, come on church, don't take me negative tonight. I'm preaching a positive message. We need to get our faith and we need to stand it up and we need to stand behind it. Let nobody take it. Come on. Come on, I got it. Yeah. come on. Man. Hallelujah. This is my guard against everything else. Come on. Against everything in the world. Faith is my guard against it all. Come on. ha. <laughs> It's a guard against you walking right. Come on. If you get that knocked down, you're not going to walk right. Faith is your shield. It's your hope. It's your protector. Without it, you don't have anything. Oh, Jesus. I'm not going to hold you much longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the old past. I'm not going to look back at how it used to be. I'm going to say it ought to be that way right now. It Should not be any different now than it was. We may change our method, but we never change the message. Come on. Times, times sometimes make you change your method. That's why I've never been sorry that I stepped down from being pastor. There's no one in me to to step back in that position. I said there is no one in me to step back in that position. I knew what the will of God was, and I carried through the will of God. I never stand up here and wish I was still the pastor. I'm sorry, but I don't. That's the way it's supposed to be. When you pass it down, it ought to be passed down to the next generation. Come on now. Come on, and if you got used to my ways and you think things aren't going to change, it's going to change. It's another generation. The word of God is not going to change. But the method to reach people may have, and it will change. It will have to change to reach this generation. Even though I'm, I'm not a lover of Facebook, in fact, I'm a hater of it. I think there is too much gossip that goes on on Facebook. And if I don't have it, I can't gossip it. And I'd rather not know it. Come on. And if you want to whisper in my ear something you heard, I'd soon you just keep still and leave it alone. Let God speak to me, I'll preach on it. Yes, sir. I don't want nothing to tear me down. Give me something to build me up. Tell me about somebody receiving their miracle. Tell me about somebody receiving their deliverance in the service. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. If telling someone on Facebook don't glorify God, then you need to quit being on it. You know what it does? It makes people think that they're the only one, them and that person that they're talking to is the only one on there. They forget anybody else on there and they say junk they shouldn't even be saying. I said junk. Because if it tears down the church or God, it's junk. If it's building up the kingdom of God, then thank God, go ahead. Preach on there. Do what you can to win souls. Do what you can to keep in touch and to win a sinner. That's all right. But quit the gossip. Okay, I know, I'm going, oh boy, Brother McGee, that's all right, I'm bishop, I can do that. And you'll have to smile and keep on smiling. Because I've done this for 20-some years, and if you think I'm backing down now, honey, no, 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 no! Yeah. 20-some years just in this church, 50-some-odd years otherwise. Hallelujah. I wanted you to tell you something. Holiness is still the Word of God. This thing of wanting to slip holiness out and bring the world in is not according to the Word because with holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is Godlikeness, it's godliness, it's being like Him, it's being holy. If I've got the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit directs me to do holy things, not unholy things. Yeah, you're on a yeah. Yes, sir. I'm on a church. I believe in holiness, and I'm not backing down on holiness. We don't need rings on every finger. I understand your wedding ring. It stands for something. But we don't need them on every finger. I I don't need them on my toes. I don't need them in my Yeah. Every area of the body has been pierced. I wish we would pierce the altar with the tears that fell from our eyes praying for unsaved families and loved ones and sickness. Come on. Those in the hospital that we can see healing in the church. Oh, yeah. Man, Brother McGee, preach it. Oh, yeah, preach it. Come on, our dress needs to be modest. Men and women. Come on. Women, girls, I don't need to see your panty line. Young men, I don't need your pants so come on, so tight that I can tell you got a half a dollar in your back pocket. I know. Yeah, it's getting nervous now, buddy. That's all right. I'm gonna preach it. Come on. I'm not going to taint the Word of God. I'm going to give it to you straight forward. Oh yeah, come on, church! Hallelujah! The Word does not change. We've let it all creep in, and the things that the world uses to impress people. Now the church has grabbed a hold of them. They're trying to impress people. The only thing I want to impress them by is the Spirit of God. Let it be said when they come in First Apostolic Church, I don't know what it is, but there's a Spirit of God in that place. Let us impress them with Jesus. <laughs> Glory. By the way, I want to say, men, you can wear them too sloppy as same as you can tight. If you've got to have bungee cords to keep them up, they ought to come off. I'm sorry, it's bungee straps. I know. Hey, the power plant used bungee cord, Brother Mike. You can pull it down and it's got elastic and it'll pop back up. They'd be in trouble if they didn't pop back up. And all they do it for is attention. A lot of the things that are done in the world are done for attention. So Moses said, I'm going to take your attention grabbers. They're all in this golden calf, so I'm just going to grind it up and make you drink a little bit of this. And you don't find where they had all that after that. Come on, come on church. I know it's getting quiet in here, but I'm used to preaching when it's quiet. I still go ahead and I'm going to preach it anyway. Come on, church. I see erosion taking place in the church, and it's bothering me. The church is adapting the ways of the world. There is erosion in the apostolic movement. And it's happening right now. And I'm going to close in just a little bit. But there is something that I want to grab before I close. The story that I told at the beginning, what began to worry this young man is because the space between the sea and the cottage began to eat away. What's worrying me is... We're losing space. The space between us and the world keeps getting closer. I don't know about you, but I think the more space we have between us and the world, the more God we have and the less worldliness we have. But the closer the world gets to the church, the more worldly the church becomes and the less of God we feel and show and know. I'm sorry. We need, come on, a revival. We need to fix the erosion that's in the church. What I've noticed in my years. As a child nine years old, receiving the Holy Ghost and up through, what I've noticed is that the dresses and the pants keep getting shorter, and the necklines keeps going down. Before long, they'll meet and there won't be nothing left. That cottage gave way to the appetite of the sea. And if we're not careful, the church is going to give way to the appetite of the world and there's not going to be any space between. Come on. Have you buried your faith or you still got it standing and saying, I'm standing behind my faith and I'm not going to give up on my family, on revival. I'm still believing it. I'm still going to stand on the promise of revival for this church. I'm still going to be a part of this church. Come on. The world has got closer to the church. No wonder we've lost some out of church. We've Let it get too close, Brother Daniel. God, help me. Help me as bishop around this place. If I'm going to be an overseer, then I'm going to have to preach like this. Come on. I see danger. I see danger. Can I tell you? And I know you can't see it because I got it in black, I got it in red up here. But I'm going to tell you, faith becomes a stop sign to the devil. He don't mess with faith because he knows that and it's got faith up. It's got all the other things backing it. (laughs) yeah because come on now this deal comes as one he sees virtue, he sees knowledge come on, he sees temperance, patience godliness, brotherly kindness and charity he sees all of these things that are wrapped up behind faith and he thought if I could just get through their faith if I could just say that you know maybe God didn't really want me There's an easier way than this. You don't have to do all this stuff. I'm going to tell you, we have never, ever made anybody do anything, come in these church doors. I have, even when I was pastor, I've had people come say, well, well, you're the one that makes the people wear this, and that I said, "No, sir, I don't do that. They do it there. I cannot make anybody do anything. I can't even make people live for God. if I could, I'd be out here making everybody. I' have my whip out. I'd have my 10-pound sledge out. I'd force you to come to the altar and repent and receive the Holy Ghost. I'd force you to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'd force you to worship. I'd force you to back my preaching right now. You'd all be standing up shouting. But I shouldn't have to force you unless you've lost some ground. It ought to be a normal thing. In the house of God, when preaching's going on, the seats ought to be used a lot of time. There ought to be worship. I'm commanded to worship. Bless God! I wish y'all get us some padded pews. Will you sleep any more than you do now? We wouldn't have nobody to preach to. I said that with a smile on my face. somebody starts talking to me about pad abuse I take them to the Old Testament and say hey they stood up in, in the temple they didn't sit you know why because it was easier to worship there's something about standing up that it makes it easier to worship it's easier to raise you know you don't have to pull them out of the benches and you know where they're stuck glued there you know besides that you can get that glue loose it's on the you know on the backside." Sometimes I want to put oil on the pews. Everybody get up then. I'd like to give every, every pew a complete anointing, a pint of oil. And then when you sit down and you start slipping, oh, I'm dirty. no, it's going to get something clean. We need clean worship. Come on. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't want to have to get up and carry this thing through and just say, well, bless God, I'm going to worship tonight and I'm just doing it. Come on, I want to feel what I'm doing. I don't know about you. I'm tired of it. I'm sorry, but I'm wanting the space between us and the world to be spread out. Let them them see this holiness. Let them see this power of God in Mount Carmel. Let it be showing in this place. I'm closing. Brother Mason, you can come. I want you to look back at promises you made to God just like Israel made to God. They said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All that you said, we will do. How many times after pastor preaching that preaching have you said that? Or somebody's preaching this church, you said, you know, I see my my need, and all that they said, I'm going to do. And before long, erosion has ate away at the very word that you received. I'm worried about the space between me and the sea, between me and the world. Is our appetite for the world? going to wipe that space out between the world and us or are we going to spread it out let us stand see I'm going to move faith up here We have just had a very serious meeting in our leadership before church. I might as well tell you that I'm worried about people that are afraid of the altar. Brother Cox, the very place where I first met him I should not be afraid of. But the reason is, is because There is a false truth that has went forth from some time now that the altar is a place for sinners. Yet the first man that built an altar was not a sinner. He was a follower of God. And I'm worried about a church that erosion has ate away so much at us that the altar is no longer our friend. In fact, we're so afraid of it when somebody else comes that's not a part of our church. If we're not careful, they are knelt there by their self and we without compassion stand and watch them. Let me under me, let me. I know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing in on this because I want you to get the picture. Brother Bob Garrett died. I want to tell you something. Right now, I want this to sink into this church. I've preached this ever since I've been here. I've been in this church as pastor and bishop. That we are a family. Everybody said family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I'm going to tell you, when one of you die, part of my family died. Now I'm going to bring it closer to home. When one of your family comes to the altar, that's one of my family. Come on. There's something wrong with our salvation if we cannot come to the altar and pray for somebody that's not in your, per se, family, blood family. But I want you to realize that they are blood family. We've all been blood bought. Come on. And the only way we're going to win people in this church is when somebody comes to the altar that all of us flock to pray for them. When they see all of us behind them, they're going to grab a hold of our faith. So when one of the family dies, we show up to whatever we can to their funeral or their visitations. If not then I'm not sure they're a part of your family. You're all part of my family. I love every one of you. I, I, can't, I, I don't have to walk up to none of you and say, I don't love you. Or I have problems putting up with you. I don't have that problem. Well, maybe at times. No. Only when you want to stay home and watch... Um, when I'm preaching and I've got a problem we're going to have to sit down and have a little talk it's not that I'm more important but God's more important come on I, I, don't let this space spread out but come on let this space spread out between us and the world don't, don't, let, them, don't let the world come on keep taking part of the church I've watched it as it took over the whole church and the pastor too. We're all susceptible to that. But if we'll keep faith standing, we can win. Hallelujah. Tonight, I don't want you all to be afraid of this altar. It ought to be a thing that when, we have a, when, we have, when it comes to altar service, all of us ought to be there. This is where we first found Him. How do you think we're going to get others here if we don't ever come? How do you think they feel if they don't ever see you at the altar? People come in the door and say, well, they don't go to the altar, so why should I? Are you special? You know God that well? I don't know about you, but I've got to repent every day. I'm, I still got things I'm getting rid of. I'm like, I'm a Paul. I'm a Paul. I die daily. Come on. Yes, sir. Come on. We're still striving, church. I haven't made it. There's no wings. I had my wife check the other day. No wings on my back yet. I'm hoping I'll have her check in the morning. How much space is there between you and the world? This altar's open. I want... Yeah, that's good. Just keep coming. Just... Just keep emptying the pews. That's where it ought to be. Come on, this is, a, this is a. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, with the username facmc. Again, that's facmc. Thank you, and have a blessed day.